0: Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. I am your host, Ryan Gerard, and I am here with my co-host, Rick Grunewald. So uh, this week we got a few topics, one very hot topic. Uh, We'll get to that later, but uh, we did some bike racing this week, or last weekend.
1: We did do some bike racing. I think it went pretty well for both of us, to be honest. I I think so as well. You know, I was pleasantly surprised with the course. Uh, Ryan, you had a good result. I finished... A little bit behind you, but overall, I think we did pretty solid for, uh, you know, what is this, the third cross race of the year? Fourth cross race for of the us. year? For us. For us. Yeah, yeah. And so so we actually did like a local cross race. It was right in our hometown of Sun Prairie, so just down the street from us, which was super convenient. The crossfire race at Angel Speedway. Angel, not Angel. Angel There's Speedway. There's two L's. There's two L's. Um, And it was a super fun race. I had a really great time on the course. It kind of reminded me of like your classic, I don't know, I thought it was like kind of your classic like local cross race, but I think the design was really well. Like it was an entire speedway plus like the parking lot and then plus kind of some of the pit zone. So they kind of used all of the compound pretty effectively. Like it ended up being a pretty long course. I think our 45 minute race had... Six laps. Seven. Seven laps. Seven laps. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my read. It was, like, mildly technical. I thought it had, like, a good mix of sections that were technical, where you had to have really good bike handling, a couple sections where you had to actually get off the bike, and then also some sections where you could put some power down. So it was – I don't think it was – Really, a course that favored one style of rider. No, um, it was pretty well rounded overall. Ryan, what did you think of the course?
0: I really liked it. Uh, the The course setup was the the start was just a straightaway into a. You, then you take a right into another straightaway, and then uh, you there's a it's like a slalom downhill, like back and forth. Yeah. And then uh, they had like three wooden step step ups that you had to get off your bike for that went to 180 degree. Off camber downhill, uh, and then it went to a technical section, and then uh, shot you out to the actual speedway, where you got into like a like a half pipe type thing, where you went up like up and down the two sides. Yeah,
1: yeah, just kind of like up and down corners
0: almost. Yeah, and then uh, took you to kind of another uh, open area, and then brought you back. But coming back, you had to get off your bike again and run up a bunch of steps. Mm-hmm. Which uh, brought you back to the start,
1: and you pretty much started over from there. Yeah, pretty fun course overall. You actually mentioned those, like, there's those three wooden planks that were kind of stuff, they're like barriers that you had to get off and run. You could try to ride it, but it you, looks like you could almost it, ride it, yeah. but they're just a little too big and too close together.
0: Where I don't think you could even hop
1: them, really. I rode it one time in practice, but then I smoked my back wheels so hard exiting the last barrier that I thought I'm for sure going to get a flat on that section trying to do it in the race. And actually, during the race, because the barriers were so short, sometimes I would just be like running really fast over it and kind of forget to like pull my bike up. And it would just like... Like tap the barriers and fly up in the air and I would just grab it with my other hand and bring it down <laughs> and then continue on my way. I don't think that ever happened to me. I can't believe that I didn't get a flat tire because I just smoked that thing so many times in so many different ways, but managed to make it through our 40-45 minute race without uh, flatting or having a mechanical. So, pretty happy about it. Yeah, you know,
0: I don't think I've ever worried about getting a flat during a cross race.
1: I think there's some, there's some courses where they have features that i kind of like worry about or think about especially if they're hmm, trying to think of a feature that i worry about having a cross race and sometimes like corners that are super super like aggressive where you're really like like pushing the bike um to kind of it's like traction limits sometimes i worry about like kind of rolling my tire but at the same time we don't well neither of us have tubular tires or tubeless tires so, I don't really worry about it that much. I have rolled a tire once. but oh, that was when you were tubeless? That's when I was tubeless. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm kind of on the same page. I don't worry about it too much unless I'm, like, smoking features with my bike. Yeah, that's not good. What do you run your tires at? Uh, I run mine between 25 and 30 PSI, and I run tubes. I probably could go closer to 20, but... The thing I think about is I'd rather give up a little bit of traction than have the worry of flatting during the race, if that makes sense. What do you usually run yours at? I run 30-30 front and back. 30-30? So
0: far, um, I I really like it. Yeah. Me, I, don't I don't really... I haven't really slipped out in corners, and I feel like I have like the perfect amount of traction, so I kind of run what works. There's probably some yeah. people who are like, that's so stupid, that's
1: way too high, but...
0: It's been working for me, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think we haven't had a super muddy race that we've done yet. No, that so would make a big difference. That make a big Every difference. Every race has been f- dry. Yeah. And we've not done like a super bumpy race. And no. And by super bumpy, so we did Trek CXC, mm-hmm. not CXC, but we did a I race may have at Trek. Yeah, I may have ran it too high yeah. for that race. And that was that was a little bit bumpy, but what I'm referring to, and I'm sure a lot of like the cross racers can relate is those local races where they basically do it on like a football field or a soccer field or some kind of walking path where the ground is so bumpy the grass is just like super um chunky because of all the walkers and the the traffic that moves through those areas so you get these like really jarring shakes as you're riding through it that's when it's really beneficial i think to have like a super you know like a a tubular set where you could run it like sub 20 psi like that would be perfect but other than that i mean we've been pretty lucky this year and i don't really find it super necessary
0: all right so let's talk about how uh, the race went yes how did how did it go for you we'll start off with you because you actually got to an early lead
1: that's right yeah so i uh, i started right behind you do you remember passing me i don't exactly remember passing you i know so you okay, cut me off did i pass you though there yeah you passed me okay so it was, all right, to start off, it was well, very, okay, you it get, was,
0: you, it wasn't really a cutoff. We, um, it was after those wooden planks, mm-hmm. I got on my bike and you kept, you just ran around the corner. So okay. when I went down, you were like in my way.
1: Mm, okay. Was that on the first lap too? I think so. So the, the course like didn't really have many spots to like separate traffic, so it was like super tight, like it was packed with people. Yeah, for, like, the first lap and a half, probably. So like, I probably didn't even know you were you were like right there. I will say you had to be
0: aggressive. Yeah. passing people, like you, you had to take your like any opportunity. Mm-hmm. You had to go and you had yeah. to, you know, work your way through.
1: And, and my whole like thing was, I really wanted to like find a balance between pacing the race really well and making a ton of positions up on the first lap because it was a course that you had to like get through traffic if you wanted any chance of having a decent race. Especially with us, we lined up pretty close to the back. So I just kinda was super aggressive, made up a lot of positions, took like the, not necessarily the better line sometimes, but just the more open line to pass traffic. And then kinda got into a groove and kinda got into a group of like three riders. I, I kept kinda like, like bobbing back and forth between. And that worked pretty well for the most part. And I know one time I kind of shut the door on you a different time. Like yep. you were trying to pass and I didn't know it was you. I think it was on the second lap. I, it was on the second lap where there was like a right hand corner. And basically I, I didn't like, like give you any contact. But like the corner, I just completely apexed it where I went from inside all the way outside. And I kind of knew somebody was like a little behind me. So I just thought I'm just gonna close the door, and I'll be honest. If
0: you wouldn't have done that, I probably would have done that to you on the next corner. Yeah, yeah. If I passed you, and I
1: just knew. So like I said, I didn't. I didn't know that was you, but I just knew like, oh, if that person sneaks through my outside, they're gonna get like a the better line into the next corner. So I'd rather, you know, you can race aggressive without being a jerk. I just Mm -hmm. shut the door on you, and then obviously you passed me. You know, like not too long after that. No, I think it
0: was on like the. I believe it was on the third, what, lap the third lap that I passed you because mm-hmm. I did a. Because there was one guy in front of you. Okay. And it was a small window where I just like, you know, I hammered right. it to try to get past you guys i was actually really worried because like after i passed you guys i i used a lot of energy yeah cause you, so you like, hammered oh, to,
1: and you and i was expecting so, you to
0: just come around me to be honest and
1: and interestingly enough so you got a gap on us and you hammered it and i thought i was like well i'm not there goes ryan like i'm i'm not gonna see him for the rest of the cross race but you were probably the same distance in front of me for the entire race which yeah. was like Anytime you were exiting a corner, I was entering a corner. Mm-hmm. That's like about how close we were the entire race. Yeah, and I was see you around every single yeah, corner. Yeah, and I I kept like getting a little closer. And, and we then, kept passing people too. Yeah, we kept we both would pass the same people. I think you actually you, you We were, were both you sitting were, in that first or second lap, we were mm-hmm. both sitting above
0: twentieth place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I think I ended up actually I ended up finishing thirteenth and you got ninth place. Yeah. You actually caught a group. Yeah, I caught and passed a group on the last lap. And I only caught like a couple people in that group before the last lap, mm-hmm. which is kind of a bummer. If I would've had one more lap, I probably could've finished you know, 10th um, place if you were to finish 9th place. Yeah. Because I, I paced mine really well. So on that last lap, I ripped it. I ripped the last lap super hard. I always, that's my favorite way to race. I think everybody's got kind of a style of racing. I like to leave, if I can, leave a little bit in the tank. So that like once I'm on that like second or or last lap, I can just go as hard as I want to go and not just die. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I was hurting for sure, but I was like really giving it. I always my my strategy is always to
0: like um, give give enough during the entire race where um, on the last lap, I only give like an extra 5 or 10%. It's, yeah, right. Exactly. You know, it's just if I need to go harder, I can. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of like analyze like, are Who's there in front of you? Yeah, like, are yeah, there is there anyone the that I can potentially catch? Right. If it's like, no, there's no one in sight. I'm not going to catch anyone on this last lap. Mm-hmm. To me, it's more about, okay, let's just make sure that nobody behind me catches up to me. So yeah. I'll even save a little bit just in case someone behind me is, like, just hammering it. Yeah. Because I know if they do catch up to me, I'm going to have that extra little bit right? To, to at least beat them at at the end of the lap. Yeah. If there is someone ahead of me, I'll tap into that extra, like, 10% and just, mm-hmm. you know, go and see if I can catch up to them.
1: Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. That's, that's pretty similar to how I like to race if I, if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk, too, about strategy, like racing strategy within the race because I think this is something that a lot of people don't normally think of, but like, you know, it's usually like, ah, whoever's stronger kind of just wins and you pass somebody and you just leave them behind. But there was, like I mentioned before, there was a lot of power parts on this course. And I actually found, so I was kind of like going back and forth with this one other rider that was pretty similar strength as I was, but he was a bigger guy and a lankier guy. So he put down way more power on the flat parts and the power sections of the course. And then I could usually outclimb him and I could out technical him. So, well, I don't know how you say that. I was just better at technical riding. Um, so you, what I would try to do is I, as much as I could, I would let him like pull me on the flat sections of the course. And then I would just kind of stay behind him. And then right when we were done with the power section and the flat sections, I would just find a part where I knew that I was better than him and then I would kind of accelerate. And what that did is, I mean, I probably could have passed him if I wanted to on the flat sections, but it kind of allowed me to preserve and gain a little energy and then really rip the technical stuff. And then I had a little in the bank so I could kind of keep pushing forward. And I think that really kind of made the difference between like for me finishing close to you and finishing probably like five positions further back. Just because I had somebody pulling me along for you know three or four laps. Yeah, I'm not really huge on like
0: hammering it on flat sections. Mm-hmm. Just because the the difference between you know when if you can go if you can keep a moderate you know speed. Yeah. The difference between a moderate speed and a high speed, you know, yeah, uh, on those flat sections, really won't make a huge difference. Yeah. It's it's the speed you take through every corner because you could be losing a second in every corner, but if you. You know, hammer it in the uh, flat sections. How much, how many seconds are you really gaining? Yeah, right. You're not really gaining much. So, like, yeah, in situations like that, I like to, yeah, pretty much what you did, I'll sit behind them, or if they are really hammering it, give them a little space because typically within a few corners, you're already caught back up to them and they've used an insane amount of energy while you've just been doing your thing. You know, you pass them, you know, keep hammering in a few corners and you already got a gap.
1: Yeah, it's. It just makes a lot of sense. I think the best way, if you can, to race cross race is just try to keep keep your effort like pretty steady, like even over the course of the laps, like pace it. I think people a lot of the times think, well, cross race is really short. It's just really hard the entire time, and it totally is hard the entire time. But it's amazing right out of the gate how many people on the first lap you hear like just how heavy they're breathing, and I always think, man, we're like. 30 seconds into the race. We're going to be doing this for another, you know, six laps. Like, you just, like, blew your entire load on the first lap. Like, that's
0: kind of crazy to me. Oh, I love, like, you know, with two laps to go or something, and people are just, like, dying.
1: Yeah, that's you what know? I noticed, too. If, if you, you go from, like, top 10 yeah, to, like, 20th. If you, if you find that you did kind of pace the race relatively well and your last lap is, like, pretty strong, maybe, like, a little bit less than your other, you know, whatever five laps – It's amazing how many people just implode on the last lap. Yeah. Like, you pick off... I think going into the last lap, we were probably sitting around... Because, like we were talking about, I was pretty close to you the entire race. And I think we were probably sitting around 15th and 16th. Yeah. And I think you probably picked up six spots. And I think I picked up three. I actually know that I picked up three spots. And especially in the last half lap, that's really, I think, when people are dying. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that was my biggest takeaway, like, you know, push the technical stuff if you can. And that's like where all that cross prep and practice came in. Like, especially later in the year, later in the year, every day, the races start with kind of like, you know, some fresh dew and like wet conditions just from, you know, like moisture settling on the grass. So like, there's no more dry cross races after, you know, mid-October, everything is, I wouldn't say muddy, but going to be at the minimum kind of tacky and wet.
0: And we just got six inches of snow today, yeah, so, which is
1: pretty insane. We're, mean, this is Halloween right now. Yeah. So the next, our next race will be like
0: in a week or so. Yeah. I mean, it's either going to still be snowy or probably muddy. Do you plan on doing the
1: next I'll race? do it. Yeah. It's in, it's in Sun Prairie, right? Yeah, Sun Prairie. Even closer. Sheehan yeah. Park. I was planning on racing through the end of the Wisconsin season, which is going to be the 23rd of November. But, man, with the snow that we just got, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any warmer in the forecast, I don't know. I think we might have, like, actual, you know, visible snow on the ground uh, at the end of November. So, yeah. we'll have to see. I'm, I'm kind of tentative. I'm definitely going to race Sheehan Park. Um I'll have to see. I'm still on my single speed, which has been which has been uh, doing me pretty well in the geared categories. But she and Park is so much climbing. It's so much like up and down. No, it's not much climbing. Oh, is it? No. Oh, okay. I, I always remembered that course as being like very up and down. No, last year there was not much climbing. Hmm. All right. Well, that's good to know. In that case, maybe
0: I don't have to worry about it so much. No, I wouldn't be worried about it. It's. Um, like, that hill, it's all downhill there.
1: Yeah, you just kind of, like, jump last up year, it really quick.
0: No, last year they had you
1: run up it. Oh, that's right. Up. Yeah, because they, they routed you kind of all the way yeah, around. They yeah, they had you kind of right. go sideways up the up the hill. That's always a fun cross race. I've done that one a couple of years ago, and it's a really good course. And it's also great for spectators because there's, like, in the very middle of the park, there's, I call it, like, a thumb. You can, like, stand on top of the thumb, and you can, like, watch... You know pretty much the entire course. So if you have somebody that you know that's racing and you want a good race to watch them at, like Sheehan Park, Sun Prairie, November 9th, that's the one yep. to go to. Yep, that's
0: yeah. a fun one. That's a super good one.
1: Really well put on. Yep. Near us. Near us. Come say Even closer. Even yeah. closer than Angle Speedway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, next topic, some hot news. Uh, the hot news. Amgen, Fresh news. The Amgen Tour of California... Has been canceled for 2020.
1: The United States' only world tour race. Canceled. Canceled.
0: What a bummer. Which also explains why Peter Sagan is doing the Giro next year.
1: It does. Well, partially. Partially. I I think so. That's an interesting thing that you also bring up. Peter Sagan doing the Giro. We can kind of touch on that really quick. I think he's doing the Giro because he's won he's got the jersey record for the tour de France, right? And he's got a huge gap on jersey. I mean, I would think it's pretty hard to believe that somebody takes his green jersey record in our lifetime. Yeah. I mean, what is I'd that? Agree. Six? Yeah. Six green jerseys. I mean, for the six years sometimes is the course of a pro career for, you know, some riders. And especially a sprinter too, to be able to take all those time bonuses. I think that would be extremely hard for anybody to beat. So I think now I could he, see honestly I could see like a uh, Julian Alaphilippe taking it. Uh I mean Alaphilippe. I mean you you need to be able to do well in the sprints. I think in the can, raw sprints. Uh, yeah, I think Alaphilippe is closer. I mean we saw it this last year. Alaphilippe's closer to winning the overall than he would be winning a green jersey. It's
0: also really hard to get a full team to commit just to the green jersey. Right. Like yeah. Peter Sagan's in a very rare situation very where unique they don't have a GC rider, yeah, and he is like their sole rider. Like they're right. only supporting him. Really, they yeah. have Rough Raf, Rafael Majka, mm-hmm. but there's very, they're lucky yeah. if they get a top ten. With I him.
1: mean, who do we see contest the green jerseys? I wouldn't even say the pure sprinters contested the green jerseys because you need to be able to get the intermediate sprints yeah. to contest the green mm-hmm. jersey. And a lot of the really high powered sprinters like Viviani. Um, you could probably throw Ewan, Grunewagen, in, into that group. All of those riders, um, I mean, they're in the groupetto every day, just like hanging on for dear life. I mean, that's like the last thing they're thinking about is in the mountain stages trying to grab some of those intermediate sprint points. So I think the only challenger is Michael Matthews, who won it in 2017. Yeah. But like you were just saying, he doesn't have a team built around him to win the green jersey, and he's not super great on those super flat fast finishes so i think with that in mind i think peter Sagan's kind of looking at the giro like mm, this is pretty new this is pretty fresh he's won stages in the tour he's won stages in the vuelta the only grand tour that he's not one stages in is the giro he's never worn the the maglia rosa so that's a good opportunity for him as well and he's also kind of mentioned that you know possibly later in his career his contracts up in 2021. And he's kind of voiced uh, that maybe he wants to go race mountain bikes. Maybe he wants to. Uh, that would be awesome. It would be pretty awesome. You know, I mean, the guy's done so much, right? And He's already, yeah, he's
0: already achieved so much that it's yeah. hard. It's so hard to keep pushing yourself to be yeah. at that high level. He's at that one percentage of the one percent. Yeah.
1: It's got to be so hard to stay motivated to and, stay at that. And even though he's, I mean, he's not that old. He's early 30s. And most most riders, you don't think peak at their early 30s. Um, so I would say, well, maybe he has peaked. He's probably kind of at his peak, or maybe on the on the back side of it. Um, but yeah, I think. He's probably saying, you know, I'm still pretty young. I still have a lot of talent just on bikes in general. Maybe I go try to do this mountain bike thing and, and give it a shot. No problem for him to get
0: a sponsor, to
1: Oh, to, I mean, there's, I mean, he'll be racing World Cups without a yeah. doubt. Specialized, we'll put him on bikes. He'll be on the factory team, probably. Would not see that being, you know, uh, out of the question, for sure. Um, but anyways, aside from Peter Sagan, kind of back to the whole tour of California, big bummer, right? I mean, that was the only world tour race. What do you think that
0: means for like American bike racing?
1: Well, you know, I think it probably, I think it means two things. I mean, I don't think it's a good thing for American stage racing. I mean, for pro American bike racing. Um, the So I guess part of the reason why the race shut down is because it just wasn't profitable. So they put about $10 million into the race. That's how much the entire thing cost to run, and it operated essentially at a loss every single year. So they never made money on it. It was backed by partially by one of um a couple I think, you know, billionaires that was able to put up a lot of money to keep the race going. He's a big cycling fan, much like you always hear in cycling there's some kind of rich benefactor that's a big fan, they want to own a team, they want to own a race. And I think it's kind of getting to the point, probably or partially due to like the actual you know uh, returns this year, where the sponsors are realizing that you know it's just it's just not worth the ROI to put on the race. So I think it's a I think it's a bad it's bad news for traditional style stage racing in the United States. But I was listening to a couple other podcasts today, and I think it doesn't necessarily mean bad things for bike racing in general in the U.S. The attention is just elsewhere. The attention is in gravel racing. The attention is in mountain biking. The attention is in these kind of like epic endurance events, um, and all those races are mass participation. So that's what people want to do in the United States. You know, people aren't really cycling fans; they're they're cyclists. If that makes sense. What about you? What do you think of uh, of the whole like you know shutting down of the Tour of California and kind of what it means for you know bike racing in the U.S. Um, I think, you know, I think American bike racing needs to
0: stop trying to be European bike racing. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, Australia has rugby. The U.S. has football. Mm -hmm. Both are insanely popular. Right. Why why can't we do our own thing? Why can't, you know, gravel racing become our road racing?
1: Right. You know? And I always think that's kind of weird, too, because, you know, there's definitely, there is... Rugby club, and there are other like smaller sports that have clubs in the United States. Like we went to a small college in Wisconsin, and there's a rugby team. Um, but it's you know I, you talk to the people that do those sports, and they never say, ah, oh, you know like you know rugby is gonna like be the one of the biggest sports in the U.S. It's like no, everybody recognizes that it's like uh, it's just kind of a fun thing, but it's popular elsewhere. And I always think about that with cycling. It's like it's never gonna be big in the US. Just because people don't grow up doing it, people don't grow up watching it, they don't grow up racing it. That's kind of how you build a a big sport is if it has grassroots, right? But yeah, I, I totally agree on the other hand, you have these awesome, very specific to the US styles of racing. You know, what is in the US long, open stretches of gravel roads. And you have these amazing mountain bike trails. I mean, the US is the birthplace of mountain biking. And probably, you know, I guess per capita, I'm sure that we have a huge amount of mountain bike trails, especially in areas like Colorado, California, even in the Midwest. I mean, we have a ton of mountain bike trails. So that's what people do. You know, like you got to you got to put races on where the attention is and where people actually want to participate.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I mean, I think people think mountain biking's a lot cooler than you know road biking
1: yeah and also too with the growth of, growth of Nike. you know the yeah. um the high school mountain bike league i think that's only funneled more kids into sticking with mountain biking uh past high school it's a lot more of a spectator sport it is uh, yeah than no, road would, racing oh yeah than I, road I think racing. it is yeah
0: you but know i mean the, crit the, racing too i think crit race it, this is also a time for crit racing to thrive you know
1: yeah exactly it's like
0: we don't need to be on this, you know, huge stage. Like races like the Tour of America's Dairyland mm-hmm. or Gateway Cup. Those are incredible races that probably get more views than like the Tour de Gila.
1: Yeah, I think people hardly even know that like Gila's going on. Yeah. Unless you actually like are a pro cyclist and care about it. Um, or really follow pro cycling have no idea i mean i know they televise a little bit of it sometimes maybe they don't televise it
0: but you can watch it on like youtube oh okay well i guess that would be televising but
1: yeah one well, you'd have to go out and search it on youtube right so i think about it too and the weird thing with with bike racing in the u.s too is we touched on it it's it's participatory, right? a lot of these races are funded by entry fees so you know you mentioned crits right like those usa crits and a lot of the big crits in the united states they have cat one through five fields men and women that they also put on the same day as the pro race just earlier in the day and that kind of helps fund the entire event they don't really they need sponsorship dollars obviously but they don't need to go quite as deep as, say, you know, the Tour of California, who's obviously just a pro race, or even a lot of the other bigger stage races that don't have amateur fields that cost a lot of money to put on, and nobody's there to watch them. Well, they're there to watch the last hundred meters. The last hundred meters, sure. It's like that's not that exciting. Well, yeah, and with crit racing too, um, and gravel, and you know whatever Leadville mountain biking. I don't think the TV model is necessarily going to be what makes those sports big. It's going to be like the docu series and stuff. It's going to be yeah the doc like I i mean like i love going to a crit and watching it because it's a very cool experience it's a very unique experience you go to a town center there's people out shouting like it's a it's high energy that's a great great time but you go watch a crit on your tv and you know it's it's not as it's i'm not gonna say it's, it's, not, boring. As it's not as exciting it's community-based
0: right it's also the um like on on so like uh Justin Williams, uh-huh. like on and his brother, uh, what's his brother's name? Corey, Corey Williams. Yeah. Their GoPro footage, yeah. where they actually started working with USA uh, Cycling, the USA Crit, USA Crit, yeah. where they actually get footage from both.
1: Yeah. So they,
0: their like highlights is a constant going back and forth between their GoPro, right, and the actual
1: uh, camera yeah. feed. That right there, I would pay to watch that. That's cool. Oh, and and Corey Williams does an amazing job with his footage, and he also does like a lot of work. Like, a lot of times, they'll put GoPros on like multiple people on their team, Mm -hmm. so you can really see like their lead out train working in action. It is really cool to watch. Yeah, I think that's
0: what they need to figure out is how to Mm -hmm. get
1: footage from
0: those things. I think eventually GoPro will have some kind of wireless signal Mm -hmm. where they can get you know gopro footage to um like some kind of stationary tower possibly yeah where they can then broadcast it i think a lot because i I think a lot of places would pay for that you know like uh formula one moto mm -hmm. gp i I think a lot of different
1: sports where you could have like an ipad and you can open it up and you can just swipe through all the different riders and, you can and see like, like what, what the they're g- looking camera like. feed yeah yeah that would be really really interesting i think that is what i'd be the most interested in, in in terms of actually like viewing the race yeah um but yeah you know there's a lot of successful sports that don't rely on tv coverage for like you touched on it really well like the docu series they create amazing content around the race but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're covering the race from start to finish I think of, and it's not an apples to apple comparison, but ultra running. So, I think ultra running, probably ten, maybe, and you know, if there's any ultra runners listening, they probably will say like, no, it was big here and there. But I would say like maybe ten years ago, it was relatively off the radar. Like, if you ask people about like what's a long distance run, they might say like a marathon. But kind of there's this whole community of like ultra runners that do these crazy races from you know, 50K to 100 miles and even longer than that. And ultra running has gotten really popular in the last couple of years, but it's not because they're streaming ultra running. It's not because they um, have, you know, like any kind of live coverage. It's because there's a couple people that started making really interesting content and making YouTube videos and making really cool storylines that kind of follow the races. And I think that's really like... And, you know, it's kind of increased awareness um, without necessarily this huge overhead of, well, how are we going to like videotape these events? Yeah, that's uh
0: that sums it up for
1: me. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, I think, um, you know, doing stuff like that, it really brings a lot of awareness to the sport. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be on a large scale. You know, mm-hmm. it can be on a small scale and, you know, it gets people in the community, you know, interested in it brings more people to the races like big races like tour of america's dairyland gateway cup intelligentsia you Mm -hmm. know uh norcal cycling's been putting out videos from his intelligentsia time which i mean oh those are great videos and one thing really good videos shout out to norcal cyclist one thing that i've really noticed too is like how like he comes to chicago and one thing that really affected him was the uh the weather How, how it was so humid there and it's so different than racing in california
1: yeah people love those videos too because they first of all it kind of exposes people to these races that they might not have heard of but it's like a how-to guide so say you're going to do a race that's a little farther away and you've never been there before never done it never thought about doing it it's awesome to be able to go into youtube and type in that race and find a super detailed video explaining like you know, oh, you should be prepared for humidity, you should be prepared for really technical courses and super hard racing and there's a lot of crashes, so watch out for that. Like that's an awesome resource to have for people that are kinda just getting into like the whole racing scene. Yeah. And uh,
0: Red Bull does a really good job yeah. of broadcasting their mountain bike races. You know,
1: yeah, Red Bull does I mean I think Red Bull is single handedly built uh, I can't say single-handedly, but I think they've had a huge influence on the popularity uh, of mountain biking today. Like the, with Red Bull Rampage, with um, you know all of their cross-country footage and downhill footage as well too. I think that has really like mainstreamed mountain biking at this point to something that's extremely entertaining to watch. Like, I love watching Red Bull highlights and full race footage, and they do such a great job with it, too. I've always wondered why or if Red Bull, Red Bull has ever thought about getting into, like, you know, crit racing specifically. I know they've kind of dabbled a little bit in the fixed gear realm of things. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I know they have a couple athletes like Chloe Dygert Owen, mm-hmm. who's the current world. Women's time trial champion. Um, she's a Red Bull athlete. She has a Red Bull sponsorship. They have gotten into triathlon. Yes, there's a couple of Red Bull athletes in there there as well. And they do. Um, they and again, do they make, cover
0: like I know they have some little series about triathletes too.
1: Yeah, and they make really cool, really cool videos and docu series about their athletes. Um, like I think if I were to be sponsored by anybody which this would never, ever happen. Mm -hmm. But Red Bull, I would love to be sponsored by Red Bull because I think as an athlete that just builds out like your portfolio of content so much, so much broader. Like they do so much coverage and like kind of inside line and, you know, like story behind this athlete kind of stuff. I think that's really cool. All right. Uh, anything else on that? Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think I'm good on
0: that. Yeah. What do we have
1: for time? How are we doing? We're at
0: 35 minutes. So I,
1: that sounds pretty much perfect, right? Good time, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about today, Ryan?
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: I thought that was a pretty good one. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, well right, before we leave, has anything been grinding your gears? Oh, man. Uh, you got a little sore back right now. That's oh, kind of yeah. grinding
0: your gears, right? Yeah. I did something to my lower back this week, so yeah. I've been trying to... You know, help that Anna actually got me a really nice heating pad. Nice. And I was using it right before you came over. Ooh, it feels so good. Yeah,
1: I walked in the door and you were laying like belly down just with this heating pad, chilling out on the couch. So hopefully your back feels a little bit better. I'll tell you what's grinding my gears. All right. I went to, you know, like go down and ride my bike in the morning on the trainer and my tire was flat. Which makes no sense, because I have a magnetic trainer, so there's no pressure on the wheel. Well, the cold. Well, sure. the The cold might have gotten it flat. But then I went to change the tube, and I put the new tube on, flat again. You didn't try just pumping it up? Uh no I did try pumping it up it was oh. indeed flat okay but I changed the tube once flat again within a couple minutes changed the tube again flat again within a couple minutes and I was like what the heck you is wait, going on
0: wait 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 you changed I the, the tube type. wait you changed the tube yeah it went flat and you didn't do like a full on
1: check so I did I checked right away like before okay. I did the first tube felt around the rim I'm like all right nothing sharp here and then I was like what the heck keeps popping I so I went through two tubes two new tubes which is not fun um what keeps popping this tire and this is what grinds my gears so much and it's happened to me one other time on a rim where you know the tape that they put around the rim on the inside it shifted just enough so a little edge was exposed around the hole where the um yeah the valve stem comes through and it kept popping my tubes so that's what's grinding my gears currently. Yeah. So if you keep having flat tires, you, you didn't can't notice figure that out. when you inspected the wheel. It doesn't look sharp. I mean, it doesn't really feel. It doesn't feel that sharp either. But I've had it happen before. And I should
0: say it was pretty common, like when I worked in a bike shop, that like if people's tire tubes were flatting, especially older ones. Yeah. If you check the the rim, a lot of the times there's uh, something poking through the tape.
1: Yeah, because the, the tape, and you feel it. And it doesn't feel that. Doesn't feel that sharp. Yeah, those but screws it's a, will they'll, they'll pop a tire real quick. Yeah. Oh, so, so frustrating. <laughs> so, I got to go buy some new tape and a new tire. That sucks. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm. You uh, can just use Gorilla Tape. Probably will use Gorilla we Tape. We use that.
0: To be honest, we used it all the time I'm at a bike shop. I'm all for whatever's cheap. Yeah, we used it all the time at a bike shop. All right, there you go. Pro tip use Gorilla Tape. It's literally the same thing as. Um, I know there's probably some people going, it's not the same thing. <laughs> no, it's, it's the same it's thing. It's pretty much the same thing as uh, rim tape. So,
1: All right. Sounds good. I'm going to use some grill tape. Thanks for the tip, Ryan. No problem. All right. With that, I think we're going to wrap up the podcast. Be sure to follow us on all the social medias, uh, Bike Race Weekly. You got us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook if you want to catch our most recent updates. And you can listen to us on all your favorite podcasting channels. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you can listen to most podcasts. We're probably on it. All right. That's the show. See everybody.